listening to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome to Goal Line Extended on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Today's Friday, June 25th, and I'm your host, Ryan Hostmas. Glad that you can join us as we get set to look ahead to week three of the PLL season from Baltimore, Maryland, and historic Homewood Field, the home of the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays, fresh off our first bye week of the 2021 PLL season. And we're back in action tonight as the undefeated and two-time defending champions, the Whipsnakes, will take on the Atlas, who got a huge win over the Redwoods before heading into the bye week. And the Atlas will come into this week three doubleheader with first overall pick Jeff Teat, who was removed from the unavailable to travel list earlier this week, along with a few other notable rookies, which we will get to in a moment. But along with looking ahead to week three, we got a lot of other news in the world of lacrosse. And joining me to talk about it all is lacrosse flash analyst Liam Kelly. Liam, welcome back to GLE. How are we feeling on this Feel Good Friday as after a one-week hiatus, lacrosse is back? Oh, feeling good. It was kind of a good weekend to actually take a step back and like refresh and analyze everything that's gone on to this point so you know everybody got a weekend off hopefully you guys are getting back to healthy and we're going to get some pretty competitive action starting tonight and then moving forward through the weekend kind of ironic trying to get guys back to healthy but the league uh sent out on wednesday afternoon their full injury report and there's a ton of guys uh that just kind of came out of nowhere like jack near john sexton guys that i don't think we saw go down there uh, in week two, they made the injury list. I know Noah lands on his Twitter account, PLO chirps tweet out like what do these guys do uh, on their bye week. They're all getting lower extremity injuries, but uh, absolutely very uh, excited though, to have lacrosse back. Great to have, uh, you know, you with us as well, Liam, like I said, a lot of news coming out during the week, following that week off. And I want to start in the NLL because on Monday afternoon, the Las Vegas lacrosse franchise was officially announced as the 15th NLL team with the plan to take the floor beginning in 2022, led by a pretty elite ownership group of Joe Sy, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, Dustin Johnson of the PGA, and two-time NBA MVP, and Brooklyn Nets head coach Steve Nash. And the new uh, Vegas team will play in Michelob Ultra Arena, which is located inside the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino right on that Las Vegas strip. And Liam, I don't think a better city could have been chosen to introduce to box lacrosse and and just lacrosse in general. And I don't know how many teams actually go into Vegas and win. A great home field advantage to have. We've seen, obviously, with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I'd imagine a lot of guys come next summer will be lobbying to have their names left unprotected by their current teams as lacrosse is coming in real hot to Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked to a couple guys, and one of them was saying that, you know, he loves where he plays, but, you know, second choice would be that Vegas program. You Absolutely. look at the ownership, you got uh, two-time NBA MVP, you got uh, Green Jacket winner for the Masters, you got the great one, and you got Joe Sy, who's been a huge advocate for the sport. Uh, obviously, he played at Yale, but then he already is an owner of one franchise and wants to keep building moving forward. Um, he just loves the sport. He's got kids that play. And he's really the key piece behind everything. Obviously, um, like Steve Nash, Gretzky, uh, they have lacrosse backgrounds. Dustin Johnson has one because he's in the family of Wayne Gretzky. Um, But as a professional athlete, you want to see other sports thrive. And uh, just this whole group of people, like anybody from the lacrosse world who wants a bit of an exposure experience, you know, big time city lights and playing in a high market um, this is the place to be. 
like you said, it's going to be hard for teams to come in and win because you're going to have Vegas fans instantly, whether they're locals or people coming in, buying resort packages and getting free lacrosse tickets as part of it. Like you're going to get people that are fired up, ready to go. They don't care what they're watching. They're just watching an exciting product that's going to be uh, high pace, high intensity, and exactly what you need in a city like Vegas. You get high pace, high intensity all the time, and that's what the market wants, and that's what they're going to get. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to uh, this this new NLO team out in Las Vegas. A lot of things to be excited for when it comes to this new franchise. And as I said before, the plan is that the team will begin play in the 2022-2023 season, which means another expansion draft next summer after this summer's expansion draft, which is now just four days away, set for this Tuesday, June 29, as this year's expansion team, the Panther City Lacrosse Club, out of Fort Worth, Texas, will draft their first 13 players, one from each of the current NLO teams, to build the framework of the roster ahead of free agency and the entry draft and ahead of the start of the season there at uh, come this uh, December. You can check out each of the protected rosters at lacrosseflash.com, and we'll have more coverage around the draft and who could be drafted ahead of Tuesday. But, Liam, looking at some of the names that were left off the protected rosters, which there are a ton of names uh, that were left unprotected, who sticks out to you as guys that could be centerpieces and building blocks for this new Panther City team? Yeah, um, I could list off a bunch of guys. I could probably give you 20 to 25 guys that I could realistically see being drafted. And our regular listeners would have no idea who I'm talking about. Like, we've covered PLL. We've covered um, the college game. And we got a lot of guys in the NLL that aren't, you know, home regular names. We got guys like... Andrew Suter, who has been a captain in the league. He was with the Georgia Swarm. Uh, I think he's up with the Riptide now. He was left unprotected. He's a guy who, he's a bit of a do-it-all guy. He's taken draws. He fights. He plays defense. He's scrappy. He can score in transition. Um, but then on the other side of the ball, you got like a Casey Jackson. Uh, he's out of San Diego. He shoots the ball, lights out. Uh, he's good for four or five points a game pretty much um unreal shot and nobody will know of him um then you look at the list uh and the one name sticks out is brody merrill but uh there are some questions he's a ufa so he has a little bit of flexibility with his choices moving forward especially as an older player but his resurgence on the field this year that we're seeing in the pll will directly translate over and could be like another couple years of the best LSM, best transition player we've seen. So there's a lot of options there. And then I will say one more guy, just because you want to look at your future as well. A guy um, who was left unprotected, surprisingly, from Calgary. He was their first overall, their first draft pick um, this year is Patrick Dodds. He's a young guy. He's actually out of my hometown. I coached him a little bit. So it's not just a bit of bias, but he is is incredibly talented. He was a star in the uh, Minto Cup, sorry. Uh, when the juniors were playing uh, last, when they were allowed pre-COVID. And he's a stud that you could look to have on your franchise for a long time moving forward. Absolutely. You brought up there the uh, unrestricted free agents, Brody Merrill being one of those guys. There's a few of those where we were kind of looking at these unprotected rosters and we're like this name, but oh, he might have the franchise tag there that could be uh, applied, something that we could see 
uh, utilized by the by the other uh, 13 NLL clubs. So something to, uh, to watch, especially leading up to this draft and then as the draft unfolds. But a very important night here for the NLL's next team set to begin play this season when the NLL gets the 2021-2022 season started in December. And ahead of Tuesday night, we'll have some content around the draft. So make sure to check out lacrosseflash.com as well as our new show debuting this week on YouTube, the NLL Flash. I'd also imagine guys over at Lacrosse Classified that they'll be looking ahead to Tuesday's draft as well. So make sure to keep your eyes and ears open for that as Liam. We're going to shift gears here to Cowers Lacrosse before we dive into this weekend's games in the PLL as the face of Nike women's lacrosse and one of the most decorated players in Syracuse lacrosse history. Kayla Trainer has been named the next head coach of the Syracuse women's lacrosse program and just the third in the program's 24-year history, following in the footsteps of Gary Gate, who took the Syracuse men's head coaching job earlier this month. And Liam, she described this role as the opportunity of a lifetime, getting the chance to come back to the university that she graduated from and had so much success with, a four-time first-team All-American. She was a Tourton finalist in each of her final three seasons and now as head coach she'll have the chance to build on the program's recent and historical success and chase really that one thing that she was unable to get while a player at Syracuse although she has gone a few now while an assistant at Boston College but a national championship something that she'll be looking to add to her resume and the Syracuse collection starting this spring yeah you really it was a big question mark who are you going to replace one of the greatest not just players, but coaches of all time. Gary Gate is phenomenal. He's done so much with that program. They're a powerhouse. They're perennial every year. They're doing amazing things. They're getting to championships, it seems, every time you look. Um, but with him stepping away, like, how do you replace that? And this is the best move that they could have made. I think this is the dream job for any player um, to step into their alma mater and be the head coach once they're done with their playing career at that school. Um, and ironically, it works for Gary as well, stepping into the Syracuse men's side. But um, she is one of, if not the most decorated players on the women's side ever. She is obviously talented in what she does as a player, but also as a coach. Like you said, they won with the BC women's this year. Um, but she's going to be the person that will draw the big recruits. She's going to be in the perfect market for that with Syracuse women's lacrosse. And, you know, it's, there will be no step back from Gary Gate and she's just going to probably take that program even further. I would be surprised if she doesn't because of who she is and how she's reacted to every situation she's been in. You kind of take greatness and greatness improves other people's greatness. That's why you see Gary Gate, he's going to do great things with the men's program but that's why he was able to do it with the women's um, for what, however long he's been there. Absolutely. Syracuse men's and women's lacrosse. Both programs looking to be in very good hands as Gary Gate will begin his first season as the men's coach this coming spring, along with Kayla Trainer, who will take over as the women's head lacrosse coach after a very successful stint as an assistant at Boston College. Uh, she never won a Tourton, but Charlotte North uh, this past spring, one of her players there at Boston College. She won the Tourton. I was looking yesterday and just preparing for this. I believe another uh, women's lacrosse player there at Boston College won the Tourton a few years ago. So Kayla Trainer coming into Syracuse women's lacrosse. Expect even bigger things, I think, as you're saying there before, uh, than what we've seen there out of Syracuse women's lacrosse. 
All right, time to dive into the PLO as week three in Baltimore is officially upon us. And before we get into the games, we got a lot of transaction news during the week. The most notable, obviously, being first overall pick Jeff Teat being removed from the unavailable to travel list, along with a few other rookies. We also saw a few names added and dropped. A handful of guys were placed on the injured reserve list ahead of the weekend. We'll get into all of that in a moment. But earlier this week, we learned that the league's disciplinary and conduct committee had concluded their review of the off-field incident involving Austin Stotts and Matt Gaudet from week one in Boston, and they unanimously voted to terminate the contracts of both players effective immediately and effectively eliminating both players' chances of playing in the PLL for the foreseeable future, which at its core is fortunate for the careers of both of these young athletes, but also, Liam, we see a precedent hopefully being set by the league that this sort of conduct off the field will not be tolerated and shall not continue if you want to play field lacrosse professionally. Yeah, this is something that you didn't really know how the league was going to handle it. Um, when you look at other sports, it's very rare. Well, it, it is quite uncommon for events like this to occur. Um, there is always personal life coming into professional life whether it's um nfl nba nhl what have you but we didn't really there hasn't been an incident like this to this point in professional lacrosse at least not that comes to memory um and it was kind of unseated territory where you didn't really know how everybody was going to take it and go with it i think that the foreseeable future is definitely a reasonable punishment given what happened. Um, I would like to think that if there are reparations made, however, the league deems fit that these guys can come back because they're two incredibly skilled, incredibly talented guys that you just hope, you know, can mature a little bit and, you know, put their heads on straight and get back on the field because they're entertaining to watch. They're better in the sport than out of the sport. And, you, you got to just feel for the person behind the player, right? You just want them to be the best person and get as much help and whatever they need and figure it out and then move forward from it. But like you said, we don't know. We didn't know what to expect and we don't know what the future holds. So um, if this does at least encourage everybody else coming into the league to keep their heads on straight, you know, travel weekends with eight teams, which means, you know, 25 times eight, 200 lacrosse guys in the same city. Like there's going to be events where you overlap with other teams and other players. And you just, this kind of encourages a little bit more civil behavior off the field. So um, we'll wait to see long-term how this turns out, but it's not unexpected and it's probably the right move, at least initially until the league can come up with a way where they can, you know, plan long-term. Absolutely. I think the, the foreseeable future thing is just is just a safe thing to say as of right now. Obviously, we see these other leagues, the NBA, the NFL, MLB, you know, you name it. They'll suspend guys. They'll say, oh, and definitely suspend them. But we've saw we've seen Josh Gordon enter back into the NFL. I'm a I'm a New York Yankees fan. Domingo Herman missed all of uh, 2020 after a domestic incident. He's now back with you. It's like just kind of that situation where guys, they'll miss time, serve their punishment. Hopefully, you know, for Austin Stotts and Matt Godet, two, you know, very talented lacrosse players, we'll see them sometime uh, in the foreseeable future. But the league being stern here and how they handle off the field incidents, as you said, 
really, you know, this is the first instant that we've seen through the first two and a half years, being that we are now on year three. We hope that the league will keep this stance going forward, especially if it involves real high fo- uh, profile players, which Gaudet was able to make uh, a name for himself out in Utah last summer. Stotts is a former number one overall pick in the NLL. We'll see how that affects his career with the San Diego Seals, but neither player really a huge name as it pertains to the PLL. And like I said, we'll hope that the PLL upholds this stance going forward in dealing with off-the-field issues. But that leads us into this weekend, and there's no better place to start than with tonight's matchup as we have the undefeated Whipsnakes, 670 days to be exact, undefeated Whipsnakes, who are coming off an overtime win over the Cannons, taking on the Atlas Lacrosse Club, who got a big win in Week 2 over the Redwoods, the rookies in that game, really stepping up big for this Atlas team, and they'll get another rookie reinforcement here in week three as Jeff T has been activated from the unavailable to travel list, and he'll be suiting up this weekend in both of the Atlas's games, making his debut tonight against the Whipsnakes and on Sunday against the Cannons. And Liam, this is huge news for the Atlas, and if you're an Atlas fan, this is big, big news. Bringing in the number one overall pick here in week three for arguably your toughest game and your toughest weekend to this point of the season, and let alone a very important weekend with you know, the doubleheader. You want to try to win at least one of these two games. But how do you think this starting attack looks with T now entering the picture? Uh, I mean, the biggest question around it, regardless of who's playing beside him, is just how he looks in his first game back and how comfortable he is coming back since he hasn't played competitively in over 400 days. I think because he's an all-world talent, you got, you know, there's going to be very little step back, but that first game, just getting comfortable, he hasn't had time around his teammates. He'll make everyone better, but it's not going to be the level that we expect. We should expect to see right away. Like we shouldn't anticipate him to be his, you know, semifinal gold medal games that we saw at the last world tournament. We should expect to see an early season, like, early season form gearing up like round robin style performance. And then as we move forward, you know, the subsequent weeks, he's going to be an all-star level talent. Like it, he just makes everybody better. He, the last clip I remember seeing of him was him taking like a 15 second possession just with him having the ball and beating somebody from, I think it was Penn they were playing or Penn or Yale to tie the ball game late in the fourth quarter. And he can just beat guys any way he wants. He can hold on to it in comfort. But then as soon as he sees doubles and triples and anybody else coming at him, he's got precision passing. He's, I won't say a Shriver level, but he's like maybe that next guy after him. He is all world talent, like I said. Um, However they piece around him, it's gonna be great. We'd like to see that resurgence. Um, it's a tough test coming in and having to play the whips like first game day one because I hate to say it, I don't think the whips are going to lose this one. Um, you'd like to see Teat come in as that number one pick and you know lift the team and will them to a victory, but this isn't it. Um, I have high hopes and I know he's going to be phenomenal. Like like we said, it it's a, only a matter of time till he comes in the league and it gets even better, but. It'll be a tough test. It'll be fun to watch. I think the whips take it, but at the end of the day, like I, I've been waiting to watch Jeff Teat play lacrosse for a very long time, just like everybody else. 
We've been waiting for a good, a good long time here, as you said, over what would you say, four hundred some days? Yeah, four hundred eighty something days or something it's been like a long that. Time. At this it's been point. a long time since we've seen too Jeff long. Team. Yeah, too, too long. long. Yeah, too long since we've uh, seen Jeff T. We're all very excited to see how he fits in on this young Atlas team with a ton of new pieces, offensively and defensively, and we should see a ton of guys benefit with with uh, his presence out there, as you were saying before. But Liam, just looking at the Whip Snakes here. Ahead of this one, we all know what their offense is capable of. We know what their defense is capable of. Joe Keegan has them ranked as the best defense in pro lacrosse uh, from their performance last summer. So we know that they're very, very good. But with that, yeah. you know, with Teat now entering the picture, how do you see this Whipsnakes defense matching up? Because two weeks ago against the Cannons, Stagnita kind of threw a wrench at us. He had Bryce Young matched up with Lyle Thompson for the majority of that game, and then they switched over to 2020 Defensive Player of the Year, Matt Dunn, come the fourth quarter. So how do you see that combination of Dunn, Young, and Tim Muller matching up down there against what we believe would probably be Jeff T, Eric Law, and then I'm thinking Flash, Week 2 Rookie of the Week, Jay Carraway. Yeah, I would be surprised if Carraway didn't get a start, um, especially after what he did last week. Um, it in my mind, Dunn should have played on Lyle the whole time. And really, really Dunn should probably be that guy playing on he's he's your I I think he's their best overall defender still. And and it was echoed last year when he won that defensive player of the year. But um Lyle's skill set of being able to get to net and score but doing it so slippery, like the way he is able to turn and shift and just roll back and roll back until he feels you miss like your spot and like get out of position. That's a similar trait that Teat has, but Teat's not quite as big. Um, I think that they're two comparable skill sets in the fact that they both have such an elite ability to both score and distribute the ball that it probably should be done, especially if that's the guy who you switched to the best player in the world in a fourth quarter to kind of cement that, no, we need to make a change and stop somebody. Um, if you play him for four quarters on Lyle, it probably doesn't go to overtime. And that's not a shot at Lyle. That's just purely commending Dunn for how good, I, was good is. I don't know what else. He's done. unbelievable. <laughs> he is so good. I, I look at some of these guys and I'm like, I, I, played at a high level of sport, but I don't think I ever saw anybody that looked like that. And it's it's impressive to watch. And so I think that Dun, Matt Dunn is the guy to cover Jeff Teat. Um, but like you said, their pieces are so good on that defensive end. I mean, the comfort level that they have, knowing that they have Kyle Burnlore behind them, they have Michael Earhart up top, and then they have Haas and everybody playing through the midfield. Like, it's such a covered team. Like, you can can't really attack any one piece and think you're going to get the edge on a matchup. So Matt Dunn is the best choice to guard T, but I wouldn't be surprised if like those three guys ended up having a problem with somebody. You could see like a guy like Earhart switching down low to cover an attackman at times, just because of his size and speed and ability to like out athlete somebody while being a freak of nature in like a six, five body. Right. So it's, it's the matchup. Matt Dunn's the matchup expect stags like you said he he's thrown wrenches changed everything up um it's a tough team to beat I, d I don't really know where they're gonna go like they didn't start matt dunn on lyle so i hate to make that decision as an offensive coordinator looking at that team going what are they gonna do because they can do anything so it's interesting i'd like to hear 10 other coaches 
opinions on it. So, Absolutely. You got Matt Dunn, friend of this show. He was the 2018 MLL Defensive Player of the Year. You could make a very, very good argument. I've made the very, very good argument. He probably should have won the 2019 PLL Defensive Player of the Year, and then he was the 2020 Defensive Player of the Year. So Matt Dunn most likely going to draw that matchup, but we will see as, as we both said there. Jim Stagney tossing some wrenches at us here. Uh, I mean, he's got three great pulls there down low. As you said, Mike Earhart, uh, freaking nature. Uh, he can really play anywhere that you gotta you want to put him. And then they got uh, great short stick defensive middies there and Jake Bernhardt uh, and Charlie Hayes as well. So we'll see how this Whipsnakes defense matches up against the Atlas offense. But the Whipsnakes and Atlas, that game is scheduled for tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock and NBCSN. Make sure to tune in as the Whipsnakes are favored by two and a half goals. The over-under set at 24 and a half as the Whipsnakes look to improve to 3-0 and and keep that long winning streak alive going into the rest of the of the weekend and let's stick with the Atlas and Whipsnakes here. We'll start with the Atlas as they'll be playing their second game of their weekend doubleheader on Sunday against the Cannons who are favored by a goal and a half over under is set at 21 and a half after opening at 20 and a half. And the game is set to begin at noon Eastern exclusively on Peacock and Liam, this will be the first time that we see Paul Rabel going up against his former team. Rabel putting together a great season through his first uh, three games, tallying seven goals and two assists, shooting at a 44% clip. And Lyle Thompson has 10 goals and assists, as you talked about before. Best player in the world. I don't think there's really a uh, argument to be made. He's been as advertised in his first season in the PLL, but the Cannons, they're one and two. And as Austin Owen said last week on the PLL Flash, they're a damn good one and two team. Their goal differential currently stands at plus seven, which is the third best in the league. Their two losses have each come by just one goal. So two winnable games against two of the better teams in the league over the past two seasons. The Cannons holding their own here and, and uh, putting together or uh, putting themselves, I should say, in a good spot heading into this week three game with the Atlas with a chance to get back up to 500 as well as the remainder of the season. Yeah, they've been a competitive group that I think a lot of people liked on paper, but they weren't sure how they would mesh, at least initially right out of the gates. I think the one goal loss to the Redwoods and then a one goal loss to the Whips really shows you what that team is capable of. Um, Rabel's having a resurgence year. You got the best player in the world on attack. You got an unbelievable defensive group that we've touched on all of our previous shows that I've been on. Um, and really, it's just like the, the sky's the limit for that team if they bring it all together. Uh, I think that this should be a very good game and Atlas will be ready for it. Um, but yeah, this group has been kind of surprising. I didn't expect to see them lose in overtime to the Whip Snakes, and, and they've been able to put a lot of pieces together and make it work. Absolutely. I don't know. In the Atlas. Sorry, I, I don't know if you want me to go further onto the Atlas side of things. <laughs> we just touched a lot on them, but um, I think that they'll adjust and they'll kind of, as a second game of the weekend, Teat being there, you know, I would expect them to get better. I don't, I would give the edge to Cannons as well, but it'll be, I think, competitive. Absolutely. The Cannons and the Atlas, the game is scheduled for noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Peacock, which, Liam, that's like an alarm setting early there for you and all your fellow West Coasters. Uh, but the Cannons, minus one and a half. They are 3-0 and against the spread this season. So 
just a little little bit there for you, tidbit there for all you uh, you gamblers out there. Got to get up, got to get up early there uh, for lacrosse throughout on the West Coast. I don't know what to tell you, but if you're on the West Coast and happen to miss that 9 a.m. start, you should be good for the second game of the day as the Whip Snakes will be playing the Chrome exclusively on Peacock a little before three Eastern noon Pacific in the Chrome. They come into this weekend as one of the two really banged up teams as Jesse Bernhardt was placed on the injured reserve this week after a scary injury in week two, which appeared to be non-contact. JT Giles-Harris has not played since Duke's semifinal loss back on Memorial Day weekend, and he uh, he was placed on the physically unable to perform list this week. So the Chrome defense taking some hits here, and these two involving your leader on defense in the third overall pick of the college draft. So two huge blows going into week three and the rest of the season. But Sudan didn't waste any time replacing those roster spots. Nick Cardile, an undrafted rookie out of Penn State, he was picked up during the week, as well as goalie Tate Boyce, which was kind of a head-scratcher given the Chrome situation and goal with veteran John Galloway currently starting, reigning two-time goalie of the year, Sean Scannoni. He's waiting on the sideline. But Liam, this Chrome team is coming out of a, a bye week, still beat up, still kind of plugging and playing guys in different spots as a result of those injuries. We also don't know the full status on Jordan Wolf after he went down in week one. He was left off that injury list, so we'll hope that he's out there this weekend. But how does this Chrome team get past uh, get past some of these injuries and, and find a way to pull out a win here against the best team in the league over the past two seasons? I think that it's not a big loss yet. I think that really you're replacing one player, even though it looks like you're replacing two on paper. Like you said, we haven't seen JT Giles Harris. So that does make it look worse than it is because we haven't seen JT. There hasn't been a need to replace him. Um, so they that's why you only see one defender coming in. Um, obviously, they like something that they saw in Nick Cardile. Um, he's getting like, like any rookie, he's going to have to get up to speed when he comes to playing the pro game. Um, he's been playing college format, so that's a little bit different as well. Uh, more possessions means more time on the field, get a little bit more worn down. Um, but that being said, uh, big, strong kid. He's athletic. Uh, he can't replace a Jesse Bernhardt, but they're going to find a way to use him. Other guys already on the roster, they'll probably kind of slot them down. You have a couple guys playing short stick D midi that can pick up poles if need be. Um, the toughest thing is just going to be figuring out a way to beat this whip snakes team anyways, because you have to do that at full strength. And a lot of teams can't do that at full strength. So um, hopefully that injury isn't too much. Hopefully both those guys can recover and get back to it pretty quick. Um, obviously you don't want to see anybody go down with an injury. And then on, like you said, on the other side of the ball with Jordan Wolf, uh, I hope he's perfectly healthy. I hope he's a hundred percent. He's a phenomenal player. He's exciting to watch, and he makes that team better. So you you really need all your pieces in place to beat a team like the Whip Snakes. Um, I would even say that you need all your pieces in place to beat the Cannons and the Archers at this point, just because of how good they've been showing with their, with their seasons to this point. But um, on any given day, we can see upsets. The Atlas have already gotten one. So we'll just have to wait and see what the weekend brings. I, I'm excited for this matchup. I think the game of the week um, is Archer's water dogs, but at the same time, every game's exciting at this point in time. We haven't really seen many that have been terrible outside of maybe having a bit of an unfortunate watch when the Archer's won by 12. So all the games are exciting. It'll be good. I think the Chrome are just 
a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, full full strength. But you want to see every team bounce back, and hopefully with Jordan Wolf, that'll happen. Uh, like you said, the goalie situation. Who knows? That's not for me to decide. I'm, I was completely shocked when that happened. So we we brought it up when the when the uh, when the Water Dogs kept three goalies, and we were kind of like, what do you need three goalies for when you got Dylan Ward as your as your known starter? Do you really need to keep DeLuca and Charlie Cipriano? This is kind of the same situation. It's like you got Galloway as your veteran, you got Scannoni as your your guy. That's going to be your guy going forward. Do you really need to bring in a third? The Redwoods have three, but it well, kind of makes sense. They got three really, really good goalies, the Redwoods. So I covered the Chrome all the way through the offseason. We've had conversations about it. And they had Tate Boyce, right? I'm pretty sure Tate Boyce was the third goalie. Yes. They had three guys going in. So we anticipated him not being around. It's a bit weird that they bring him back. I, I wonder if maybe there's off the field – like work commitments or other things going on where guys can't be as present or if it's one of those things where, hey, we haven't been getting the results we want. Maybe we missed something in camp. We got to bring somebody back in just to see if there's a change that needs to be made. Like you said, it's surprising that Scannoni hasn't been the guy to go first, like at least throw him on the field. Let's see what he's got, see if that creates a spark that changes it. But they had three goalies at camp, and so – it's a bit of a head scratcher when it comes to that. The, Tate Boyce was already let go. Now he's coming back. What's the deal? We don't know. I haven't heard anything. I haven't been able to find anything out from what I've, who I've reached out to. But it's weird. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so I'm thinking that the rosters for this weekend might be released kind of later today. Obviously, by Friday, I'd expect they'd all be out. So at that point, we would probably know. But I'm thinking we might see Galloway. Maybe it's if I'm thinking if Galloway's out there. I mean, Scannoni couldn't travel. That's why you bring in Tate Boyce. Or Galloway can't travel. You got Scannoni as your starter. You bring in Tate Boyce as the backup. That's kind of what I'm considering. If we see Galloway and Scannoni, I'm going to be like, why did they bring in Tate Boyce? Like, that was obviously maybe just a depth ad. Like, hey, you got to add somebody to make up 25. Bring in Tate Boyce just to get another look at him. That's really the only thing I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm like that, the only way that would make sense. There is the one thing that we haven't talked about. We talked on it way, way back. But Galloway is a head coach, and so as they get into recruiting season, maybe he's going to need weekends where he has to go recruit. Like his assistants can't go do it all themselves. So there might be time where he he needs to step away, and at that point you got to fill the gap with another goalie. But like you said, we haven't seen rosters yet, so that would be my best guess is it's probably a coaching recruiting type commitment. He's got to be somewhere else in the country, but it's it's odd. So – We'll wait and see how this goalie situation uh, kind of plays itself out. We'll also hope that Jordan Wolf is back, and then we'll we'll hope that uh, the Chrome can overcome some of these injuries and uh, possibly get their first win of the season, hopefully at least make it a really good game. And then also the Whipsnakes, they're trying to continue their winning streak uh, or possibly get back on track if they end up losing tonight, which, again, probably no surprise. But as you said, you got the Whipsnakes. I got the Whipsnakes. I think we all have the Whipsnakes, again, I believe, uh, in both games for our Flash staff picks. Uh, we will wait and see how they both shake out. And then shifting back to Saturday, the evening will start around 5 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock, as Kyle Harrison in his final game in Baltimore and the Redwoods will take on the Chaos, who are looking for their first win of 2021 after starting the summer 
0-3. And as we all know, this will be Kyle Harrison's final professional game in his in uh, his home state of Maryland and city of Baltimore as he's on his farewell tour of sorts as he'll be retiring at the end of this season after he graduated from Johns Hopkins back in 2003 as a three-time All-American, a national champion, and two-time winner, putting together one of the most storied careers in college and professional lacrosse, which we will absolutely be highlighting much, much more when we get to the end of the season. But looking at this game, Liam, the Redwoods need to get back on track after a tough loss to the Atlas, and the Chaos need to get on track and get a win here. Both teams uh, kind of banged up, especially the Redwoods, as attackman Ryan Lee, LSM John Sexton, and short-stick defensive Mitty Jack Near all hit the injured reserve. Ryan Lee really isn't that huge of a deal just because given all the offensive talent the Redwoods have, but most notably uh, Sexton and Neer, they've played a huge role in TD Irwin's early success here over the first two weeks, but the chaos looked like they could uh, be getting some guys back from Canada very soon. R uh, rookie Ryan Smith is the first. We'll also see Bryce Wasserman suiting up for the chaos after being added this week. So how do the Redwoods come out of Baltimore back on the high horse and how do the chaos get their first win here of 2021? Well, I think, like you said, it probably does start at the faceoffs, right? Um, TD has been getting a lot of help from his wings, but he's very capable of winning the ball to himself. I think his first game, he had something like four shots. Even though he didn't bury any of them, he's still getting the ball forward. Um, on the flip side, Max Adler's having a bit of a tough go, at least to start for the season. Um, he's been up and down, mostly down, unfortunately, for the start of the year, but he could be competitive. Um, I think those extra possessions that will be generated from the Redwoods uh, definitely give them an edge. Um, like you said, uh, he does get a lot of help from his wings, but that isn't necessarily an issue when you're looking at guys because they can change their face-off strategies. It's become such an art, like we saw it with Greg Gurenlian, sorry, um, he's still very active and vocal on Twitter and through social media and like just the amount of ways to win a draw and be impactful on a game. Uh, those guys being out does hurt, but they're still going to have the extra chances to score and the offense is incredible. And then on the flip side, if the chaos can drum up possessions, uh, adding a score like Ryan Smith is a step in the right direction. Um, I'll be interested to see how Bryce Wasserman fits in. He's definitely more of a ball and stick speed dodger guy. Um, we haven't seen him play up top very much, but playing from X, he's very capable. Um, the chaos are just going to have to generate stops. Their defense is strong, but they, they just haven't been able to do enough yet. And they give up too much volume. Um, if you're giving Miles Jones and Perk and, you know, Rob Pinnell and Jules and all those guys, you know, four, five, six, seven shots each, because that's how many shots they seem to be given up. It's not going to go well because some of those are going to be long two winners. It's going to be a long night watching long. some of the best shooters in the world just have their way on the field. And it doesn't matter if Jack Rowlett and Jared Newman and all those guys on defense can, you know, get stops that you can't volume, give this team volume opportunities. So, That'll be interesting to see um, if they can generate some ball movement the other way. Guys like Ian McKay in transition, we've seen a couple two-pointers out of him. Um, their offense is very capable, but they just haven't clicked. And so hopefully the add of another Canadian, slick Canadian finisher will help. Um, and really just like Coach Towers says, is like 
just their aggression and being physical and dominating the field, if they can impose a bit of their will and be the bigger physical team, that might help. Um, but it's it's going to start with possessions, and the Redwoods have the best faceoff guy in the league to point. So it's going to be a tough night for them. It'll be interesting to see how TD adjusts without his best weapons. But um, I give the edge to the Redwoods. I think I don't. I think most of the Flash staff also did, but it'll be interesting to see how that adjustment is made, knowing that two of the best wing players on their team are out for the week. The Chaos are bringing in a handful of new faces here in week three. I'd imagine we see a lot of Ryan Smith, as you said, also Bryce Washman going forward. Brennan Gleason was also added to that intact in midfield after the injuries to Eric Scott and Wes Berg were announced. And then LSM CJ Costabile was also added. We'll wait and see how he fits in on this defense and with the other LSMs that Andy Towers is currently deploying with the Chaos. But our last game to talk about, which will take place on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock and on NBCSN, our flash game of the week as the undefeated Archers will be taking on the Water Dogs, who turned around their 2021 season in a big way in week two with two big wins over the Chaos and the Chrome. And the Water Dogs were able to add Ethan Walker off the unavailable to travel list this week. And with Michael Sowers still sidelined due to his medical, we might see Walker suit up this weekend. And Liam, if he does, how do you expect him to fit in on this Water Dogs offense, which was clicking on all cylinders two weeks ago in Atlanta? I think that he's a good fit for this team. He's a he's a he's got a laser of a shot. He's got a blend of that Canadian US game uh, that the Water Dogs do seem to have, not to the extent that the Chaos does, but they got a lot of Canadian talent up there as well. They got a Ben McIntosh, uh, the Team Canada MIDI. They got a couple other guys that play that kind of hybrid. But he was at Denver. He's seen the composed, you know structured sets and he's also had the freedom to kind of thrive in his own game so he's he's got a great shot he's got the ability to dodge for his own opportunities but he can also feed so he's he's a piece that i think doesn't hurt this team i think sours is obviously a better player overall but he's certainly not a slouch um looking at this game really the test is going to come down to how the water dogs defense operates against the archers offense um i think the water dogs are going to get lots of chances i think they're going to score i think they're going to be successful um the archers defense has been good but they haven't been as eye-popping as i think they should have been to this point they've given up some goals that i didn't anticipate going in and they've had a bit closer games than um i expected obviously the atlas game being the exception um but like the 12 10 win last week uh, I thought there were some holes that could be exploited that if teams are operating at full pace and doing everything they're supposed to be doing, that they can get good looks and good opportunities. So um, they're, they're, they are beatable on the defensive side of the field. But that offense, the Schreiber, Amit, Manny, Holman, you know, all of the above pick your poison kind of offense is going to be tough for the Water Dogs to hold. Um, Dylan Ward, I think we haven't seen the best play from him yet but like we've seen his high arc definitely changes shooters mindsets uh it could throw some guys off and then jake withers giving extra possessions he's been having a, a strong year to start so far at the faceoff strike could uh tip the field a little bit but i'm interested to see how that offensive connection for the archers 
um, competes against this defense because we've seen them get a lot better. The, the water dogs do look a lot better from first weekend to second weekend. So with an extra weekend in between, uh, what adjustments will be made? How have guys prepared for this week? Um, what What is going to be the primary focus? Like, do you shut off a guy like Will Manny who had like five or six goals? Or do you do you force these guys to beat you with the ball and stick? Because that's not Will Manny's game. That's a Schreiber. That's a, an Ament. If you can prevent them from getting the ball a bit more and force these guys like Holman and Manny who are play, who thrive off ball, can can that be your difference factor? And how do you make that happen? So it's it's the game within the game. And I'm really excited to see this matchup because after the water dogs turned it around, they could be very good moving forward and they could cause problems. The water dogs came into 2021 with what looked like the most improved roster, which began uh, with just a really disappointing opening game against the cannons. But as you said, able to turn around in Atlanta, two big wins and we'll see if they can keep it rolling against the arches who are arguably the best team here. I would say in 2021, they lead the league in goals per game. You said, obviously giving up, uh, some defensive uh, inefficiencies, you could say. The two-point game, I think, is what really is hurting them. I think they gave up like three two-pointers against the uh, chaos there on Sunday. But they've given up the least amount of goals and the least amount of uh, goals per game, and they have the highest score differential through two weeks and two games. So despite the offense and defense both kind of showing out, besides, as, as we're saying, the defense kind of giving up some uh, some two-point attempts and, and obviously, you know, the opposing offense is cashing in on those two-point attempts. The offense has really been the story with the addition of Connor Fields. We saw Ryan McNamara get hot in week one, along with the multitude of other options at Chris Bates' disposal. You touched on a few of them before, but I'd say that this is really the Archers' first big test here in 2021 come this Saturday night against the Water Dogs. Yeah, it's, it's going to be their biggest test so far as long as it's week two Water Dogs. If it's week one water dogs, I'm not so sure. Um, but let's hope for week two water dogs. Yeah, let's hope for it. I think that all these teams, as you go throughout the season, are going to get better. I think that with a weird off season of not knowing what co like a COVID season was going to look like, with not getting a full long training camp and it being like a week before your first games, uh, it's a little hard to prepare and then have to immediately game plan. So they, they will get better week to week and having that extra week in between, there's a lot more communication between coaches and players and game prep and just being able to like communicate with your teammates, um, how you adjust, how you move and get better with that chemistry. So um, I'm excited to see this game. I think that, like you said, it's a game of the week for a reason from our staff. So it's, it's uh, definitely a, It'll show a lot if the water dogs come out and maybe take it. I don't know what the reality is. I'm not a big gambler, so I don't follow the lines really. But it's it's something that if they come out and maybe take a win, regardless of one goal or five goals or whatever it looks like, it's going to be a statement game. So uh, this will be a true test for both teams to see what happens moving forward. This loaded Archers offense about to see possibly its biggest test up to this point. And likewise, for the War Dogs, we're expecting a great game here Saturday night between these two teams as it is our, as we've been saying, the flash game of the week. And for Eli Gobrecht, friend of the show, he'll be playing his first game against his former team as he continues to headline this Water Dogs defense. And before we wrap things up today, Liam, let's make some picks ahead of the weekend and our entire flash staff picks will be available on Instagram and Twitter ahead of tonight's game. Let's start with tonight. 
Whipsnakes and Atlas on NBCSN and Peacock. The Whipsnakes are favored by two and a half, over under set at 24 and a half. But who do you have uh, in this game? Uh, I got the whips. It just until the Atlas adjusts to have a couple weeks with Jeff Teat, I don't think it's realistic for them to take a, the two time defending champs and just call it a win right away. I think we're all riding the whip snakes here. I think all 10 of us are all – there's more than 10 of us that obviously are kind of just involved here with Flash, but I think everybody's got the whip snakes. Like I, I saw something that the Atlas tweeted out this week. Their their Twitter account was like, oh, like seven people again. I'm like, that seems pretty generous. Even uh, That was before yeah. Jeff T. I think it, I'd imagine it went up a little bit since Jeff T got added. 7% is – like. 3% would have been generous against the whip snakes, the two time defending champs, the 600 and however I said it before, I, I already forgot the number 600, and like 50 something they, they've won. They just keep winning. I can't imagine the whip snakes losing this one. Let's move on to this next game. Uh, Saturday, 515 on Peacock exclusively on Peacock, the Redwoods favored by two and a half goals against the winless chaos over under set at that nice 20 and a half. Who do you got on this one? Uh, I took the woods. I think that, from what I've seen with the extra possessions um, and then like we talked about earlier with the pure volume of shot opportunities that this Redwood op uh, Redwoods offense might get, it's it seems like it's a no brainer, at least for this week. Hopefully the chaos can bounce back and make something work, but roll woods. Roll Woods, I'm, I'm kind of going here with you. I'm, I'm looking at this over 20 and a half. I like that as well. No game has gone below 20 and a half yet this season, so I'm liking that as well. Uh, I like the chaos, though, with the goals, with the points. I know you said you're not a huge gambler. The chaos plus two and a half, I kind of like that. If it was one and a half, I might be thinking a little bit differently. But Redwoods, I'm going with you there as well. Roll Woods, hopefully uh, – well. Not obviously Ryan Lee's injury is very disappointing because Ryan Lee's been playing great here over uh, his first two weeks. But with Ryan Lee's injury, we should see Ryder Garnsey bump down to attack or possibly Jules Henningberg, which means we should see a ton of Kyle Harrison. So something that we're uh, definitely looking forward to here on Saturday night. Let's move on to that second game there Saturday night, our game of the week. NBCSN and on Peacock starts at 8 p.m. The Water Dogs and the Archers, the Archers. Favored by a goal and a half in that over-under set there at that 25-and-a-half number that I'll talk about in a sec. But who do you have here in this one, Water Dogs and Archers? I took the Archers. I think that this will be the most competitive game that they've had, like we said. But um, until someone slows down that offense, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. If they were playing the Whip Snakes this week, I was going to give it to the Archers. So um, I'm interested to see how this goes. I think that we're going to see a lot from both teams. But I'm going to roll Archers as well until – maybe that someone comes along and gives them a kick down to reality. Absolutely. I'm going to stick with you there as well. I like the Archers, even though I do like the War Dogs to keep it close. I think if this was a two-and-a-half spread, I'd like the War Dogs there plus two-and-a-half, but I'm going with the Archers as well. I, their, their offense, I just think, is too good. I think it's too overwhelming. Uh, and I think, as you're saying, it's going to probably take a, a good defense like the Whip Snakes, like the Cannons, maybe to kind of slow them down. We'll see if the War Dogs can do it this week. But then they're back to my theory. Uh, in week two, we did see uh, one team hit 26 goals. I believe that was in the first game on Friday, the War Dogs and Chaos. That hit 26. And then the Cannons and the Whip Snakes hit 31. No, 29. It was 15 14. 29. Yeah, 29. 29. So two games kind of goes against my theory. We had two games in 2020 go above 26 goals. We have already two games go above, but as I'm just going to hold over under set at 25, just take the under 
and uh, we'll just hope that uh, the 26th thing will stand. But I got the Archers as well here in this one. Let's move on to Sunday. This are both games exclusively on Peacock. We got the Cannons favored by a goal and a half against the Atlas over-under set at 21 and a half. Who do you got on this one? Um, I think that – I don't think I took the Cannons. I think I went um, went against them just – they – hold on. I <laughs> – I don't even remember what my pick was. I don't even remember what my pick was. I think I went cannons. Okay. I think I went cannons. If not, check out our our, our nice graphic that Austin Owens is going to put together. He's going to have an awesome graphic put up on Instagram and Twitter sometime today. Uh, and you'll get Liam's apps definite pick there. But he's saying cannons here now. I'm going with the cannons. 3-0 and uh, against the spread are the cannons in their first three games. So I'm going to go with the cannons here, minus one and a half. Yeah, I, I did go cannons. Thinking on it, I yeah, I think after the showing last week against the Whip Snakes, it was kind of hard to go against them. So, um, yes, cannons. <laughs> Second game of the of the day does have the Whip Snakes, as we talked about before. The Whip Snakes favored by two and a half goals against the Chrome over under set at twenty four half. That game starts at two forty five p.m. Eastern, even though they kind of always get pushed back to three. So three o'clock Eastern on Peacock. Uh, who you got on this one? Uh, I'm pretty sure our whole staff did it again. We went whip snakes, but, um, it's, it's going to be a good game. I hope that we see something from any team that plays them this season that makes it look like they're going to lose, um, like the, we saw last week with the cannons. Exactly. And it's, it's definitely possible, but until they lose, I might not pick against them. Um, I won't be. Like I, like I said, the archers, I think if the archers and whips play, I might just shot in the dark, take archers. But whip snakes all week, no the problem. The archers are the only team that I will that I will legitimately say, all right, let me think about this. Let me pull up the tape. We're going to pull up the tape and see uh, who we like in this one. But I'm going whip snakes as well. That leads us into uh, some updated PLO futures odds because they were released here by DraftKings this week. The Whipsnakes still obviously the favorites, plus 145. The Archers at plus 300. The Redwoods sit at plus 450, followed by the Cannons at plus 850. The War Dogs at plus 900. The Atlas and Chrome are plus 1500. And the Chaos are plus 2000. Me in particular, I like the Cannons. I think they've been playing great here over the start of this season. They're at plus 850. And the Water Dogs at plus 900. Big turnaround there in week two, I think, uh, that they turn around. Any of those, do you do you like any? I know you said you're not a big gambler, but just looking at those lines, any of those that kind of stick out that you're like, yeah, like I like this team with the odds. If uh, I was gonna if I was gonna throw, let's say a hundred bucks, let's say I have a hundred bucks in my pocket, gotta spend it, gonna throw it on lacrosse gambling, I would probably take that cannons futures just because we've seen them play tight with everybody. And really, if you're gonna be able to as a first year team come in, make the adjustments, and then play the defending champs to an overtime loss in week two. Like, what? what's your ceiling? How, how much better can you get? Because you've played together with these guys for a month. And if, if you're doing that in week two, if you're losing to the Redwoods in overtime, or, yeah, overtime or by right at the end of the game by one again, like, those are the two best teams historically for the past couple seasons. And... Like, you're going to get better because you have the best player in the world. You have a former best midfielder in the world who is getting back to form in Paul Rabel. Like, Brody Merrill's playing 
some of the best statistical ball he's played since he's made the transition from the MLL. Like, it's a no-brainer to throw some money at this and just kind of, like, see what happens. Because if you got the money to spend, that's probably the best return if you want to see a bigger exchange. The best money, the money to put down is obviously on the whip snakes, but I like that future odds if you're going to take a bit of a risk. Like, like you said, the cannons are a good one to put on. I'm looking at the Cannons and the War Dogs, and they're wide. They're plus 850, plus 900. I think those are two uh, that if you are considering, look into those two because, uh, the, as we're saying, the Cannons, they have not been counted out yet uh, this season. They've been in every game that they've played in so far, those first three games, and the War Dogs uh, turning around there in week two. We'll hope that they can uh, keep this rolling. Maybe not this week against the Archers. Definitely a, a tough game for them, but we'll see how they, they uh, keep this rolling this season going through the rest of this season. Uh, but Liam, I want to thank you for joining me today as we look ahead to week three of the PLL season. And uh, that is going to do it for today's show. I want to thank you all for watching and or listening. If you are not already, make sure to subscribe to Goal Line Extended on YouTube and hit that notification bell so that you get notified of future shows. You can also follow along on Instagram and Twitter at GL Extended. All the links that you will need will be in the description of the video or podcast that you're watching or listening to right now and make sure to head on over to lacrosseflash.com as next week following this weekend's games we will be back with our regularly scheduled content which will include our weekly power rankings dan arestia's takeaways greggy's gamers jordan johnson's stars of the week and noah land's hot and cold segment so make sure to keep your eyes open for those and then live on the site right now is liam and harry silcox's fantasy lacrosse start and sit segment on instagram and twitter at lacrosse flash you can find Pat Gregoire's Lax Locks ahead of this weekend's games as well. And then I'll also be sending out my picks this weekend on Twitter at Ryan Holspus underscore. Trying to get hot here going into week three, coming off a nine and eight start. Make sure to check those out before setting your week three fantasy lineups and submitting your wagers ahead of the weekend. And before we finish up today, a quick programming update as with the NLO expansion draft being on Tuesday night that we mentioned before for the new Panther City Lacrosse Club. We will not be having a PLL Flash on Tuesday. Instead, we will have our first NLL Flash, as I mentioned before, so keep your eyes open for that. And then as for the PLL, there's a chance that we add another PLL Flash sometime next week. I definitely uh, wouldn't rule it out completely, so keep your eyes open for that. Comment below if you want to see a PLL Flash this weekend. We'll base it uh, off that. And then we'll be back next Friday with Goal Line Extended uh, to look back at Week 3 and look ahead to Week 4 out on Long Island. So make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any of it. I hope you all have a great weekend. Enjoy the weekend's games, and we'll be back to talk to you next week. Cheers. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at GL Extended, and subscribe to the show on any of your favorite podcast outlets. You can find Lacrosse Flash on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and online at lacrosseflash.com.